Hey, this is Commander Adel Weiss from Lave Radio, and you're listening to the Loose Screws podcast. Drinking more coffee at three in the morning? Probably not the best of ideas. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for listening. This is Commander J Antrax butting in to tell you that the route and waypoints for our Distant Screws expedition is now public on EDSM. I'll be heading out on my first trip to Colonia and Sagittarius A-Star, and I'll be live streaming the whole thing so anyone who's curious about what the trip is like but not ready to commit to going on their own can follow along in the experience. The route stops by many famous and beautiful locations on its way out and on the way back. And in between those, we'll try to get off the well-worn road and see if we can find some new systems never seen before. The streams will happen on Tuesday nights starting around 7.30 Eastern Time from March 3rd, with the last stream taking place on April 28th. In addition, there will be three streams on weekend days during hours when UK visitors will be able to watch and participate. All 12 episodes will also be archived on YouTube so they can be replayed anytime. During the streams, I want to bring commanders from the community into multi-crew and chat about the galaxy and whatever else is going on. We'll use the Loose Screws Discord for voice comms so everyone can join in. If you're interested in riding along, message me on Discord and tell me which episode you'd be able to be a part of. If any commanders want to fly their own ships out with me on the trip, send me a message for that too. If 10 or more sign up, we can make it an official expedition on EDSM. Go to tinyurl.com slash screws for the Roots page on EDSM and come to the events channel in the Loose Screws Discord for questions and discussions about this event. And now, without further delay, switch on the Super Cruise Assist, align ship with Target, get some snacks, and settle in for the Loose Screws podcast. Hey guys, this is Lou Screws. I'm your host, Ty Worsham, and we have a ridiculously special episode uh, this this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to let Kai introduce him. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you. Um, today we are interviewing the singular voice of Elite Dangerous, in my opinion. Um, you hear him every week, multiple times, with Galnet Radio. Uh, News Digest. You hear him on every episode of Lave Radio. Uh, he is uh, a frequent contributor to Beyond Dockers, Sagittarius Eye, uh, Audio Podcast, uh, Parallel Worlds. Um, and I saved the best for last. Well, he's also, excuse me, an uh, a engineer for uh, um, Hutton. Uh, no, Guard Frequency Radio. Oh, Guard Freak, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> and saving the best for last, he is most of all at heart a Hutton trucker. And he's, he has heard his Galnet News Digest review is heard on every episode of of Hutton. And he is a uh, uh, one of the one of the pack there. And, and you can tell that everything he does is for the mug. Ladies and gentlemen, Commander Watherspoon. For the mug. <laughs> Fantastic. So let, let me let me start off by saying I cannot thank you enough for joining us. This is this is a real treat for me. Um and I know for Kai. Um I I've been playing this game since launch day. 
and I can't remember exactly when it was I discovered Galnet uh, News Digest, but you've been in my ear for quite a while. And for a thing, uh, let me just, <laughs> let me start off by saying thank you because I don't like to read. <laughs> um, I don't like to read Galnet News, but I really like it to be voiced. And I, I love the way that you do it. I love the, you keep it up, you keep up with it. You present it in a wonderful way and interesting way. So thank you for everything you do, sir. Well, you're very welcome. Um, it, it, it certainly started off that way that um, um, Galnet articles, which were published every few days, sometimes many times a day in the early, in the early part of um, the life of Elite Dangerous, were written. They were written in a fairly sort of dry style, and I wanted to make something a little bit more accessible and interesting, possibly slightly kind of skew the, the, the message a bit to, um, to make it sound a little bit more like it was a kind of red-top newspaper um, or, or, you know, kind of a, a, a different, different slant on the, on the news as it was presented in Galnet itself. But of course, more recently, um, there's been in-game Galnet audio, um, which to some degree, kind of supplants what I've been doing. But, you know, again, sort of that's just the text as it appears in the game, read out by a computer. So, you know, that's okay up to a point. But again, I've still got some space to sort of do something a little bit different. What has been a problem for me is that the news source has kind of dried up recently. Mm. There's just no Galnet. So, so real quick, I was wanting to ask you. Um, well, let me just say this real quick. I, I keep saying real quick. <laughs> let me just say this: you are the the in-game audio play is a poor substitute, sir. And anybody who thinks that that's that's a good uh, way to not have to listen to uh, uh, Galnet News Digest is is missing missing the the whole point. So. Uh, well, so, also, also for the record, you know, and I, I don't in any way want to besmir- besmirch the uh, Galnet articles that we have been getting, lest we get less. But I will <laughs> say, I will say this: that the Galnet articles are rather sparse, and they come with a direct tie-in to whatever the current CG or II or whatever we're calling things now is, and and they 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 have a certain slant to them, and and that's completely fine. But what you provide with your Galnet News Digest has sort of morphed. You know, at, in the beginning, they were giving you reports and you were putting them up. And I'm, I'm going back to the days of, you know, when you had your report of, <clears throat> of uh, you know, uh, the attempted insurrection in the Empire. And uh, hmm. what were those guys called? The, the, the Imperator guy and... And uh, the the uh, the Empress pulled him in and had Denton portray him, shoot him right there. I mean, that was great stuff in and of itself. But it's morphed, and and now your coverage has become much more of a tongue in cheek commentary on the entire expanded um, community. Uh, I mean, your skewering of the petitioners and 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 that whole situation uh your your very sort of dry wit 
with regard to a lot of uh, issues that have come up and, and beta tests and how things are handled and, and the overall sort of, uh, how do I put it, the overall situation that we find ourselves with all kinds of things, your coverage of fleet carriers, your coverage and, and the delays therein, your coverage of all of these different issues has been very imaginative, very uh, witty, and and has been, I feel, a godsend. And, and I, I stated this in, in the YouTube comments on one of your recent videos. Thank God for Watherspoon and Galnet News Digest. And let's hope that 2020 gives him a lot more fun things to re- actually report on. Something to report on, yes. That's 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 all I ask. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the role of the court jester, I suppose. That um, I I don't like people who um, who who just carp on and you know I don't like this. I don't like the way the game's going. I don't like you know kind of what 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 what's happening and sort of not being constructive. On the other hand, I can see some things in the game that perhaps could be better. And I can mm-hmm. I can see things that player groups do that you know I think perhaps aren't necessarily ideal. I can see you know kind of all sorts of stuff like that. And if you can make fun of it, then it kind of it kind of takes the sting out of the criticism. But you can still criticize. So mm-hmm. so I, I I have the opportunity to speak my mind, but without offending anybody. And I like doing that. Quite. Yeah. You, you know something. Um... You know, I can't remember when it was. I think it was like October. For lack of a better term, flavor Galnet news. There's any Galnet news will only be related to things actually happening in the game. I can't remember exactly how they phrase it, but that's kind of what they uh, got down to. I miss the flavor uh, Galnet news because. The thing that Frontier has kind of always kind of had a bad, they, they've always been bad about in this game is telling the story. And there's a wonderful story in this game, or stories in this game, I guess I should say. I, I don't think that they've always been bad at it. I think they've actually been quite good at it, uh, or they certainly were to start with. Um, they, they always created a galaxy where every single player was a kind of really small pawn in this gigantic game of chess. Mm -hmm. So you weren't a big player. You never would be a big player. You're always just that little little part of this this teeming microcosm of of, of sort of ships traveling between systems. But there's always been lore. There's, there was clearly lore in the original game. There was the Dark Wheel and there was there was um the the, the two intervening games, there was all the uh INRA and mm. um, the Thargoid War, and all of those things happened. There's a whole history for 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 the Elite Universe, and when Elite Dangerous launched, I don't know who it was, but it might have been Michael Brooks, as executive producer, who's obviously very keen on narrative. He's written books himself, um, but but somebody felt that narrative was important and having a background and having having the the galaxy seeming like a, a kind of living universe with things going on with real politics happening that was really important and as you say sort of round about the middle of last year uh Ian Dingwall who is the kind of um the 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 kind of chief writer if you like um sort of put up this post saying that you know kind of we we we're getting worried that people are taking the in-game lore too seriously, and we want to 
redistribute our resources onto um, supporting in-game content. And so for those two reasons, we're going to stop doing all the flavor text. So I, th I think it was the Gan Romero story that, mm -hmm. um, that, mm. that upset uh, Ian Dingwall because he was seeing people... Um, Sort of in the forums, saying, "I wonder if this. I wonder if there's something in this. I wonder if this can be linked back to what happened um, with with with. Um, oh gosh, I forgot her name now. Um, uh, Winter uh, Halsey. No, no, Halsey, no, no, no. Halsey, Halsey. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, just me to Halsey and 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 those those strange visions she had of of um, some 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 kind of extraterrestrial intervention and the caretakers. That's right. Yeah, the caretakers of the galaxy and. Um, Gan Ramiro's story sounded like it was so similar that it might be related in some way. And uh, okay, so 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 some of us were thinking, well, perhaps perhaps we're we're taking that narrative thread and bringing it up to date and advancing it a little bit. And it didn't actually matter if it was real or not. It didn't matter if it had any any content to the game, because it creates the possibility that there might be something happening in the game. And with the original Elite in 1984. It was written in whatever it was, 16 kilo, kilobytes of RAM, uh, 16 kilobytes of, of, of program, and there was virtually no program in there. You could you could take off in your little sort of spaceship and you could fly around, you could buy and sell stuff, and that was it. And 90% of that game was up in your head. It was it, you were making up the game. It it wasn't real, mm -hmm. but you could you you could imagine it, and that was what was happening with Elite Dangerous, that um, you could imagine all these things happening. You could, you could, you could wonder how much of it is real. Um, people in, in the original Elite, people went around looking for generation chips. They went looking for the mining machines and all, all those other things that are mentioned in, in the Dark Wheel novella. And it didn't matter that they weren't in the game. What mattered was that it was possible that they might be in the game. They might they might be there to discover. And the same is true in, in Elite Dangerous. What you want is some narrative that might be true. And most of the time it's not true, but sometimes it might be true. And it's that that creates the mystery of the galaxy. There's one mystery left, and that's Raxler. That's the only thing we've got in the game that we don't already know. And that's just getting too thin. It's the, 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 there's, there's just not enough padding to, to, to the galaxy in my opinion. Well, I, I could not agree with you more. And, and to my mind, when you say, okay, some, uh, if a handful of people complain that, hey, I spent all day looking for Dan Ramiro or for some thread to, to this storyline, looking for this missing DBX or whatever it was, like, look, it's a, it's a beautiful, interesting story. It, yeah. it does definitely call back to, hey, you know, it seemed a little bit that the situation with, Halsey, when she disappeared, to my mind, it brought up, there were two sort of separate issues that came up. The first one was, I immediately, my head rushed back to Babylon 5 when the uh, vice president had the president knocked off so that he could move up. And it's like, the mm. vice president, you know, dies mysteriously. The president has to go on a tour of the of the galaxy for some reason and then at the last minute they make a classified unscheduled detour and then the ship gets missing so immediately i'm thinking babylon 5 like okay hudson set this up how convenient and, and then yeah and then the second part of the story is like 
oh, but wait, when she shows up a year later, the story is that that she's saying is, you know, she was with aliens, she was with the caretakers of the galaxy, and she has all this information, and all of a sudden she just, they put her in a nut house, and when she gets out, she comes out, and she, for some reason, she shoots her straight over to Edwin Mahan, Edward Mahan, and, and is his right-hand mm-hmm. woman, and and it's like it's a it's an interesting story that that has never been cleared up and yeah so if you make other stories that have hooks to them that tie in in a way that's interesting you know i i feel like there's a couple stories actually still left to be told what happened with that what happened with the guardian ai mm. um <clears throat> you know obviously what is the real story behind the thargoids and i think now we're going to start to see the thargoid story progress and i hope it it does so in a in an interesting way. I feel like this, I pray to God that this does not progress to be Fortnite with Thargoids because (laughs) this is not a game that is engaging and aimed at 12-year-old boys. This is a game for all of us old farts with our hotasses. We're more, we, we are more sophisticated. We are more cerebral. We are not Twitch gamers. And if this turns into a meaningful storyline that gives us some more sci-fi aspect and some interesting narrative, uh, you know, story, oh my God, more power to it. So I, I could not agree with you more that the idea, whether or not something ties directly into the story, <coughs> Raxla, the <laughs> fact that there is this lore and this story and this reason to go out and explore the universe is a beautiful thing and should not in any way be impeded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, spe- speaking to, to, to those various points, um, the Guardian AI, by my reckoning, I don't know how true it is, is intimately linked to what happened to Halsey. But um, I, I can't be sure of that. Um, as far as the Thargoids are concerned, clearly there's a, a huge amount of ambivalence about some of the techniques used by INRA, or INRA, the Intergalactic Naval Reserve Arm, um, in in the past. And, uh, you know, sort of whether or not the, the experiments that they conducted on Thargoids were ethical in any way, um, and whether or not indeed it was um, the right way to approach um, the Thargoids, because clearly the Thargoids aren't going to like us a lot if we've been doing that kind of thing to their their, their people. Um, so, so all of those things, yes. Um, is there stuff to discover in the galaxy? It'd be great to think so. Now, for two years, of course, there were things to discover in the galaxy. And I can imagine the guys in Frontier Developments sitting there getting really impatient, thinking, we've put all these these um, points of interest onto planetary surfaces, and nobody's discovering them. We've got this galaxy-sized kind of, well, galaxy, and, um, and, and, and there's all these little points of interest sort of scattered around. The, the, uh, the surface points of interest were apparently in the game for two years before anyone discovered any of them. So, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and, and I can imagine from a... From a developer point of view, you'd say, well, I've put all this effort into it. Nobody can find them. So what they've done is made it really, really easy to find them. Takes away the mystery. Hmm. So we now know all the different sorts of um, surface points of interest you can find. We've come to the end of the list. If um, if, if, If you look in the codex, you can see all the sorts you haven't yet discovered yourself. 
So, mm, yeah, okay, it's nice to be able to find them easily. It's great if you want to gather materials, but it does mean that you know, you've kind of got a checklist and you know once you've checked them all off, you've seen everything. I would very much hope and, and very much like for them to make sure that the checklist is all of the things that have been found thus far and that if anyone finds anything new tomorrow, there's a new check. That would be lovely. I don't think, I don't think that's ever happened, has it? We have, we've never had a new checker arrive unbidden. Well, there's always, there's always 2020. There's always tomorrow. There's always, uh, <laughs> there is. Know, there's always hope. L- let yep. me ask you, um, on the story uh, of mysteries of the universe, and, and this is why I've so been looking forward to, to this interview, all due respect to all of the wonderful people that we've interviewed uh, recently. To be honest with you, this is the one I was the most excited for. Um, uh. You voiced, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I'm almost positive that I recognize it as your voice, in episode five of uh, Sagittarius Eye magazine, there was a story on Project Thunderchild. And I believe that you played the voice of the lead researcher of the station of Project Thunderchild who had left a message to Gale uh, designation 001 of that project. And unless I misunderstood, I believe that what I drew from that narrative was <clears throat> that this group that was some vestige of Galcop that had funded a program had, number one, there, there were two, two very key points there. Number one, thwart, thwarted a Thargoid re-incursion back in 3173, which the rest of the galaxy never even found out about somehow. And, and it was a poignant message where he said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that the project worked. The bad news is that it was necessary. So I, I, I seem to, I infer that that means that there was some heroic sacrifice involved there. But the second part of it, where you said, you know, we got many things wrong, but the one thing we got right was you. I, I think you're talking to a human-made AI that stayed on that ship until fairly recently when the Thargoids returned, I guess, in 3302 or 3303. And uh, is is it your belief that there is a story of a human AI floating out there that is either yet to be finished by them or has just been left half done out there? Well, there's been talk of AI, talk of human AI. Um, the Federation was certainly developing um, AI weapons for a while. Um, we've never heard what became of that. But um, the idea was that um, the Thargoid threat needed to be addressed with something more than we could manage using human man chips. So they were talking about, um, about developing um, AI weaponry. Um, the, there were certainly um, lookout stations in the Pleiades, which um, which were out there for many many years, and then the funding dried up and and they they were shut down. 
Um, quite quite what happened with those, I I don't know. I mean, it's 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 left up in the air. Um, it it the, 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 there's so many little threads like that that if you go out and look within the game, there there are these various listening posts um, and you know sort of other places where you can you can download and listen to or or in some cases just read um, sort of logs and some some of them are really kind of kind of interesting. We haven't seen a lot of those recently, though. We haven't seen any new ones, I don't think, apart from, of course, of course, the um, the, the the big interstellar initiative, initiative with the the Golconda. Um, I, I I I I like the idea that there might be human AI. Um, it, it it's an undeveloped plotline, if 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 there is, um, and and I think some some of those words kind of echo John Jameson, don't they? Um, where he's talking to his child, sort of before his ship crashes into the, into in, in well, where we know I know the crash site is, um, that that you know the best thing he ever did was 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 his son. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. That so, was that that was you reading that part. I'm positive. I, I yeah, probably yes. Um, <laughs> I, I I can't actually remember who 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 wrote each part. I I edited all of Sagittarius I one through eight, mm. um, and then sort of with the the, the later ones, um, other people edited some of them. So so uh, then you were you were also the editor for uh, let's see, what was the so in episode four. Uh, there was a story on the alliance, and and it included in that story there was a rumor of a prototype ship that was alliance only, that was a long range exploration vessel. And and let me just let you in now. I don't know how many of the previous episodes you've heard of, but this has been an ongoing thing between myself and Ty. I have stated repeatedly, and, and I think he's been 100% on board with it, <clears throat> what we want is a new Alliance rep grind ship, a <laughs> large ship, okay. uh, you know, this to, to, so you have the cutter is the ultimate uh, mining slash, you know, mm-hmm. business ship, cargo ship, yeah. and that's for the, the Empire. The Federation brings to the table the ultimate mega combat ship, the Corvette. <clears throat> we would like to see the Alliance bring to the table a large size ship that is specifically designed for exploration only. Like that's its whole goal. It has absolute shit hard points. Uh, it has, you know, horrible hull. It's, it's, it's lightweight, stripped down, but it has number one better jump range than the best anaconda number two uh a large slf that you could deploy that could enter orbit and deploy an srv from it so it would basically give you a shuttle craft with no weapons but just the ability to uh you know land enter orbit land on a planet and deploy an srv so that Mm -hmm. you could travel and see a bunch of different worlds without the risk of your large ship in in you know high gravity situations or what have you and right. special uh-huh. and and special uh sort of higher grade scanning equipment and and cartographic equipment okay <clears throat> where did this idea where did this idea for uh the rumored long range prototype ship that uh um 
I forget what's his name, Mick, uh, Mick Turner, I guess, that he took out searching for Thargoids in, in episode four. Where did that come from anywhere? Or was that just your or one of your writers, you know? Well, it, it, it some would, would have been one of the writers. But bear, bear, bear in mind that um, I, w- I was churning one of these things out every week. Um, and this would have been episode four. This would have been in February last year. So that's 11 months ago. I was doing one of these a week. I sort of was really churning through them at an incredible rate. So I don't think I can remember that um, story right now. I need to go back and look at it. Um, the, 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 there were all sorts of fanciful things in, in some of the early episodes of um, Sagittarius I. There was the missing type eight, I remember. That, that story is one of my f- absolute favorites. Yeah, okay. you, you, have to, you have to briefly tell us in your words a little bit about it. It was a hilarious little well, no, it was, it, 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 was just, it was just a riff on the idea that, okay, we've got the Type 6, we've got the Type 7, we've got the Type 9, and the Type 10. There's, there's, there's something missing in the middle. What's, what's wrong with that? Um, why, why wasn't that trip successful? What, where did it go? And it was just, it was just a kind of little, little kind of imaginary kind of um, sort of, I don't know, a, a scenario which, which might, have been, might have been appropriate for it. <laughs> and the See, hilarious... Um, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm actually convinced that the missing type eight is actually Frontier Stab at Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either that or it has to do with the club and a sideward sideways infinity button. One of the two. I'll let you decide. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Can can I just ask about this 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 idea about wanting an alliance large ship? Mm. There is to some extent a large ship, I suppose, which is sort which is the, the, the yeah, exactly. The armed type nine, which is a type ten. Um the alliance has never had any um, any sort of, as, as you say, grind-related unlocks. The mm-hmm. alliance is pretty kind of, you know, kind of pretty okay. Just anybody can buy the ships; they're fine with that. Mm. And and most of the recent developments of of alliance ships were Thargoid-related or or to to do with fighting Thargoids. So it was mm-hmm. made available to the whole of humanity to to. To go out there and fight the Thargoids. Whether or not they're the best ships for that purpose is is a different matter. But um, I think I think that was the kind of planning behind it. And people had been asking for years to have alliance ships, specifically alliance ships, because of course we had the Empire ones, we had the um, the Federation ones, and the Alliance had nothing. And in lore, the alliance ships would be something cobbled together. You'd get all the kind of wrecks and ruins of the Federation and and Empire ships, and you you kind you kind of build your Millennium Falcon out of the bits, and um, so the Alliance was was supposed to be kind of rough and ready and and uh, quite quite different. As it happens, in this in in this more modern sort of um, universe, what they've done is they've they've gone into a partnership with Lacon Spaceways, and so uh, they're getting some quite. Uh, Quite smart-looking ships. Well, Very if I different. was, hmm? yeah. yeah, if I was designing it from jump, if I was the designer mm. from the beginning of this, I would have made because you're right. The, the 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 alliance is all about trade, and they've all have been been about their haulers and whatnot until recently when they came up with some anti-Xeno combat type ships. Mm. So, if I was designing this from the beginning, I would have kept the cutter as the cutter for the Empire, but made that the exploration ship because it has kind of a sort of a sleek-looking design to it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have made the, the the vet the vet and had that been the Federation combat ship, and I would have made 
a different, you know, mega tradership for the alliance. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm coming into this from where it's at, and mm. I just want a large exploration ship. Why do you want a large exploration ship? You've got the Anaconda. That is the large exploration ship. I know, and it's I, it's sacrilege to say, and I know I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but I just don't like the Anaconda. I wanted to love it so much. I saved up. I bought one. I was okay. so excited. And then... I flew it, and then I went back to other ships. Uh, it flies like a brick, doesn't it? Yes, and it just doesn't. It's just, it, I don't, and I have friends who love their Anaconda, and I will, I'm not in any way slandering the Anaconda on paper. It is crazy overpowered. The things that they give you with that ship are amazing. On paper, it is a great ship. Yeah. It does not give my heart any joy to fly, and therefore, <laughs> it stays docked. As a combat ship, it's it's actually pretty good if you kit it out. I mean, it it, it is a bit like the Python as a as a medium ship. It, it's kind of the best um, of 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 the large ships, or it certainly was um, for for a general kind of all round ship that could that could do anything. It could do trade. It could do um, combat. It could do mining. It can it, it can do exploration, and it's still the best exploration ship by a fair margin. Mm-hmm. And I hate it um, <laughs> as an exploration ship. It's it, it's it's it, it is horrible, um, but it is the way to get to those star systems that you just cannot get to with any other ship mm. because it's got that massive eighty-two light-year jump range. I think honestly, and this is this is so probably superficial to say, but I, I have to say it. I think the my biggest problem with the Anaconda, and this is just me, but the aesthetic of it, Frontier Development has given us a beautiful one-to-one, you know, version of the galaxy. And mm-hmm. if I'm going to explore the galaxy and see these beautiful stars and supernova and 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 you know black holes and nebulas and all of these gorgeous, gorgeous visuals, mm-hmm. I don't want to spend the rest of my days where 50 plus percent of my view is the nose of an alligator ship. No, thank you. <laughs> right. I will okay. take my, I'll take my crate phantom any day of the week. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the crate phantom gives you what? Seven, 72 light years. So it's about 10 light years. Yes. Less than the, um, than the Anaconda, but that's the only disadvantage it's got. Everything else is, is brilliant. Yeah, fully um, stripped, you can get the Anaconda to 84 and, and have uh, no uh, joy. Okay. I, I, I don't think I have one of the legacy frameshift drive modifications, unfortunately, so I can't quite push it to the, to the, the ultimate limit. But, but yeah, I mean, certainly, um, if you want to take uh, an SRV, which you probably do, then uh, around about 82 and a half is, is kind of where you can get to, I think. Yeah. Um, and and that means that you can you can land you can you can have a look at the materials you can drive around a bit, enjoy yourself while you're out there because you don't want to be just having the longest possible jump range, that becomes a little bit tedious. It would be great to take a ship launched fighter and lots of people do in the Anaconda, um, but um, you know sort of that that dramatically reduces the jump range, and you know if 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 you are trying to get to those really edge edge case stars, the ones which are right on the very, very sort of limits of the galaxy, then then you really want every every light year you can get. Yeah. I'm 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 imagining a very large version 
but uh, essentially the same body as the Alliance Chieftain, but a, okay. a large pad version of the same Ready. that uh, has very poor weapons, has paper hull, but has 95 light year jump range. And okay. I've got a I've got a huge grin on my face that just went away. <laughs> other other than other than the aesthetics and other than the jump range which you've just sort of plucked out of the air, that's basically the anaconda. Correct. Well, and and the the uh, the idea of having a um, uh, an SLF that would actually be a shuttle that would be a non weaponized deployment vehicle for an SRV. The planetary landing. Shuttle. <laughs> uh, there's something we haven't had in game for a while, mm, right? Yeah, that would be that would be interesting, and and of course, uh, you know, we, we we may well find that we're we're sort of heading that way um, because we have fleet carriers coming, um, and there is allegedly going to be uh, an exploration version of the fleet carrier. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that obviously we don't know yet is how often you can jump and what sort of effort it will take to um, gather the materials to allow you to jump from one system to the next. Um, but well, hmm? I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, Go for it. What do you think about fleet carriers? Like, like just from what you've seen on them, do you, are you interested in them? Because it seems like the community's really split on it. Yes, and that's true of pretty much everything in the game. <laughs> the, whole, the whole point of the game, as far as I'm concerned, is that you're given a load of options and you don't need to do all of them. You don't need to do power play. You don't need to do mining if you don't want to. You don't need to play CQC if you don't want to. You don't need to be a trader. You don't need to be an explorer. You don't need to be a pirate. You you can be any any of those things that you want to be. You can choose which ships you want to, to, to buy. You can choose whether or not you want to do the grind or whether or not you want to stay in small and medium ships. Uh, all of these things are options. There's no right answer to any of it. So... If fleet carriers work for some players and some players get valuable gameplay out of them, fabulous. I'm not sure that they're necessarily for me. I've seen the fleet carrier that's in the game at the moment, which is the Gnosis. Um, That's effectively a fleet carrier, isn't it? Um, And at the moment, it has a 500 light year jump limit. It can only jump once a week. That'll be different with fleet carriers. They'll be able to jump more often. But... Essentially, it's a space station that moves around a bit. So, you know, that's nice. You're not going to be able to pilot the thing. It's just going to get plonked into system. I don't know if you'll be able to put a little X marks a spot where you want it to come into the system. Will it be? Will you be able to just say, I want to jump to the system? Or do you want, or are you going to be able to say, I want to be able to jump to the third planet in the system and orbit that one? Um, we don't know that yet. But it's it doesn't strike me as being a huge amount of additional gameplay unless, first of all, you can shift it fairly quickly from one side of the galaxy to the other if you're looking at the exploration model. And secondly, that it has some sort of advantage. I, I can see that what you were talking about earlier, about the idea of having shuttlecraft, well, you know, if you've got, if you, if you got the... Um, the fleet carrier, and you're traveling across to Beagle Point in it, you're going to have 16 ships with you that you can take out and do different things, and you can kind of um, 
you can kind of kind of mix and match what what you fancy doing today, and you'll still be respawning back on your fleet carrier if you kill yourself. So that's that's pretty good in one way. It does take away some of the risk, though. One, one, again, sort of just just sort of heading off in a in a different direction briefly. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed with with Elite Dangerous is that over the lifespan of the game, everything has gradually become de-risked. That the risks that we used to have to take have gradually been disappearing. The most recent one that that's gone away is your crew members. You can just buy your crew members back now if 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 they get killed. That didn't used to be the case. Um, the only thing that's left that's a real risk is exploration and exploration data. And if you head out to the other side of the galaxy and you're out there for six months and you come back and a pirate sort of interdicts you and blows you up, well, that's it. You've lost six months of gameplay. It's just gone. And that is what I really love about the game. That risk, that 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 feeling of um sort of excitement, the, 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 the real heart-thumping moments when you're trying to jump back into the bubble and you don't know if you're going to get, get interdicted. You're trying, trying to use a kind of roundabout way to make sure that you, you sort of don't get caught out in the places where, where pirates sort of tend to gather. And you want to get in there and you want, you want to get docked and you want to be able to sell your data. And you know, the feeling of relief, if you don't have risk, you don't get the feeling of relief. You don't get that, that real buzz when, when, when you sort of get home and you've you've brought it home and you you get your rewards that that's what i love in the game and that's actually one of the reasons that i i, I like exploration um because it's got that risk it's got that risk and reward which i don't feel there is in many of the other activities you can play in the game the worst you can do if you're mining and you get blown up is you lose a day well that's that's bad but you know kind of losing six months is quite a lot worse so i uh I live my life in open and mm-hmm. I agree with you that there is a different buzz to it. I mean, even when you come in and you're flying to Shinrada, you fly into Jameson's and you dock without any issue, just the fact that there could be gives you that extra little tingle. So, yeah. so let yeah. me ask you <clears throat> hypothetical scenario, right? You're mm-hmm. in an elevator at LaveCon. Somehow you end up in an elevator alone with David Braben. The oh, elevator okay. breaks down. And you're stuck, the two of you sitting on the floor for an hour. We'd probably be discussing how to get out of an elevator. Well, they, there's people coming. That's not even uh, whatever. <laughs> the Otis company is <clears throat> on the And he asks you, uh, and you, you get to spend a half-hour conversation with him. He asks you, uh, what would you like added? What would you like changed? What would you like going forward to make sure that this doesn't become elite, parentheses, not so close parentheses, dangerous? Well, <laughs> that's a difficult one because, because quite a lot of the things that were dangerous have been taken away. One, one of the things that I would really like is, is some way of balancing the game such that piracy became a valid gameplay. Uh, it's not at the moment because you can make so much money trading that even the pirates, even the gankers, even even the SDC and everybody else like that, they just go into private and kind of kind of do a few trade runs and or or do some mining, and and then they can come back into open and and sort of kind of kind of like their their superpowers. Um, they have they have they have all 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 the um, 
all, all, all the magic modifications and everything. That seems just slightly crazy to me. That that what what ideally I want is an economy where you've got to work a bit harder. Um, one one of the big missing opportunities, I think, is the Millennium Falcon kind of vibe that um, that really sort of. The economy as it stands at the moment, you, it's just so hard not to make money that that you know everyone's got billions of credits in the bank, and hey, there's no risk, there's no there's no risk, there's no reward. Um, what what I would like to see is a really hand to mouth kind of existence um, where you've got to go smuggling and and you know every every time you go out there, you're risking something that there's there's going to be a, a significant chance that you're going to be knocked back and you're going to lose your ship and you're going to have to start again. Um, we don't have that. That um, I, And I can understand it. I can understand why the players don't want that because, you know, kind of you you work hard and you don't want to lose all, all that work you put in. But at the same time, it takes away the narrative. It takes away those moments when you go back to your friends and say, hey, I've had a really bad day in Elite, you know, kind of, I, I lost my cutter and I couldn't afford to buy it back again. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of back in, back in some smaller ship now. Um, and I'm going to have to do some, some, some smuggling runs and, you know, kind of, you know, there's a real chance I'm going to get caught by the, caught by the cops and, uh, you know, some, something bad is going to happen. Those sorts of narratives only happen if there is a risk and reward. But, at the moment, I feel the reward is much, much greater than the risk. And so, so you know, it's not dangerous. And it's not dangerous. Um, and it's, it's not because of the private groups, it's not, or, or, or solo. Um, even if you get attacked by one of the really great gankers, you know, the, 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 the guys who are really, really good at, at, at PvP combat, and, and, and who are quite frankly bored of the game, um, because piracy doesn't work. There's no mechanism for, for for piracy. It's not worth their while pirating. So they just, you know, they got so many credits, it doesn't matter. They just come out and just blow people up. They're really good at it. Um, but even if you get blown up, it's no great skin off your nose, is it? You just go pay your rebuy and you're, you're, you're set off again. So, so yeah, it, 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 it would just be great to, to be able to have those sort of stories, you know, kind of, hey, I got, I got blown up by Harry Potter and, you know, he's, 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 he's nuked me right back to the Stone Age and I'm, I'm back in my sidewinder. That, uh, that, that takes me back to your very cheeky send-up of the, uh, in, a, in a recent episode of the sort of intergalactic uh, scam that is the... Uh, uh, insurance policies that we have where you know you can actually make a abysmal but still you can make a profit by just constantly going out and blowing up your ships yeah that's interesting isn't it it's because they added two two new modules recently and those modules have a value this is the uh, super cruise assist and the advanced docking module you get them in your sidewinder and the small ships by default when you buy them and they're actually worth more than the ship so if you kind of sell them and then blow yourself up, your rebuy comes in as negative. And so theoretically, I guess, I guess, well, you 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 make a little bit of money, but 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 the the rebuy shows as negative something million, something billion. In fact, it's a huge negative figure. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's 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 just not really thinking through the problem that that sort of they added in those new modules and they they didn't take account of all the possible consequences. It is not a great exploit. Because you can make a lot more money than you can with that exploit doing virtually anything else in the game. 
but it's there and it's a, it's a little problem that they probably ought to fix. Hmm. Well, so your idea strikes me, uh, having recently seen, I don't know if you saw it, but last week, uh, the Yamics put out a video and, um, I'm going to say this. <clears throat> I believe that his analysis is a hundred percent correct because the germ of that video was him saying, guys, you're nerfing mining, please buff combat. Combat is more deadly. It's more dangerous. It's more of a mm -hmm. risk of your assets. If you can greatly buff the amount of money earned in combat to make it in some way comparable to what you can make resource gathering at a much lower risk, you mm -hmm. will help to make a more diversified economy. Now, that's the germ of his analysis, which I actually like. Okay. And then he goes on to do what the Yamex always does, which is go completely overboard, super salty, Surely you know, not. outrage, 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 you know, oh my God, con controversy, controversy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, what I'm hearing from, from your statement of what you would like seems, seems to actually be in line with the germ of his analysis on that point. Well, fair enough. If, if you can earn more by combat, but also risk more, then that makes sense. Hmm. If, if, it's, if it's a one-sided equation, I just want more money for doing the same thing. That's, yeah, okay, fair enough. But, but you know, don't you have enough money in the bank already? The thing that, the thing that really costs a lot of money at the moment is anti-Xeno combat. Um, you can't really make a huge amount of money out of that, I don't think. I might be wrong. Um, I don't do it very much. Um, <laughs> but uh, my, my understanding is that you tend to get, particularly if you're doing it solo, you tend to get blown up a lot more than you do in any other form of combat. And so um, you generally end up sort of losing a little bit of money rather than gaining. Well, as someone who's been doing anti-Xeno combat all day and, and okay. yesterday, I can tell you that uh, without getting blown up at all, I have managed to earn enough money to completely pay for my ammo. So there's that. <laughs> yes, yes. But well uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, your, your point is well taken on that. What about the idea of something where, you know, the insurance policy maybe covers half of your ship instead of 95%? Yeah, uh, I mean, it cl clearly that's, that's not um, the ethos that, FDEV are interested in. Um, so I, I can remember Sandy Samarco saying that uh, he wanted he wanted the players to be taking risks. He wanted the players to be going out and, and risking everything. And that's why we have a very high uh, insurance. Um, but then that also means that what you're risking is much less. So it's not actually achieving the, 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 the aim of making us risk everything and going out and kind of blowing each other up. Um, it it, it 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 kind of well yeah I mean you can kind of go out and play it but it it just means that everything means less I I, I do actually quite like the idea of having having a higher insurance rebuy um, of course some people only have two and a half percent rebuy mm -hmm. um, the, <laughs> uh, so, uh, some of the early backers um, and the people who've got the lifetime expansion packs so 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 they're risking even less. Um, or, or some some of the other ideas. They, they actually tried introducing um, um, a, a loss on selling um, modules 
because that was always the intention that uh, you'd buy a module for your ship, and then when you sold it, you'd lose, say, 10% of the, of the, the buying price, which is kind of the way that dealerships work. But, um, but the players complained about it so much that they took that away again. I, I, I would quite like that to happen to ships as well, that you, know, kind of you, you, you do lose 10% on the whole. But um, you know, if, 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 you've, if you've been using the ship for five years and you try and sell it, then it, 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 sh- it should be kind of like, you know, kind of I'll give you 100 bucks for that. Um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be kind of you can sell it as new after five years, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of a 50% rebuy. I would, I would go with that. I'd be willing to pay it. I, I have, I, I don't, I have never, have never gone grinding for anything in the game. It's, it's not the way I play. But I still have nearly two billion dollars in the bank, or two billion um, credits in the bank. It, it, it's, it's just, it just sort of accumulates. There's nothing you can do to keep it away. Um, if, you, if you go exploring or trading or you know running missions or whatever, the, the the credits just keep rolling in. So, so uh, yeah, a higher, a higher rebuy, great idea. Something, so, to, something for the money to go out on. Hmm. So, so for sure, more risk is what I'm hearing, and I and I could not agree more. What else would you? Again, you're back in the elevator with Mr. Braben. What else <laughs> would you pitch to change to the game? Um, well, not not necessarily to make it more dangerous, but uh, clearly for me, narrative is very important. I, I I would bring back the narrative threads, and and fair enough if if we can merge them into the game or have some relevance in the game, that's great. But even if we can't, I want something. I want I want sort of something to be disguising the stuff that really is in the game. So at the moment, it's 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 all being um, signposted really really. You know, with huge, great, big neon signs. This is an interstellar initiative. Here is the background to it. And you're going to be doing something in the game. And in fact, they even put a post in the forum to say, this is what's going to happen in the future in the interstellar initiative. There will be phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. It's kind of, well, okay, right? You're telling us what's going to happen in the future. So it's not going to be an exciting story anymore because you told us what's going to happen. All we get to do is choose outcome A or outcome B, that's okay up to a point. But I, I, I would like to not know what's going to happen. I would, like, I would like it to be a big surprise. You know, kind of, yes, we're working towards this, this, this aim, but hey, you know, something, something big and unexpected happens and, uh, you know, kind of we, we all get knocked sideways and, and something else has to, has to happen. Uh, narr- narrative is so, so important for, for those old, what do you call it? Old farts. Um, <laughs> That 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 play the game. That um, the imagination that we had back in 1984, um, and that we had in the intervening um, versions of the game, and that we had at the beginning of Elite Dangerous, where it was you know a, a pretty a pretty empty shell to start with, um, but it was enough to let us fire our imaginations. That's kind of missing from the game, and fair enough, we can. We can make our own content, and lots of people do. There's the buckyball racers, the hunt truckers doing their things, and there's Canon doing their research. Canon have a bit of a problem at the moment, though, because there's nothing new to discover in the galaxy. And they're there specifically as scientific research to find new things in the galaxy, and they're not being fed anything new. So Canon is kind of a bit, mm, a bit stuck. But, but other, other player groups clearly are um, finding things to do. Um, and if we've been given a huge, great, big sandbox, we, we shouldn't be too ungrateful for that because it's a 
really, really exciting sandbox to 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 live in. But you know, I'd still like it to be it to have a theme to it, it to have some background, some pretty paintings around the outside. Yeah, all that, all that sort of all that kind of background that brings the galaxy to life. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so let me ask you this question. Um, because I had the thought that maybe the things that they're doing in the with the 2020 update are so kind of narrative driven that that's why they pulled people off of the uh the Galanet stuff. Yes. Because uh, because they're like, yeah. you know, they're working on that and they're gonna say, all right, we're gonna move you guys over here for now. Which that really gives me hope for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um and, and just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not it's not happening in the background, but it's it, it's being developed. Um what what Ian Dingwall said was, you know, kind of we've taken on a new writer and we're going to step back from 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 giving you some new content apart from the interstellar initiatives for now. So I I I'm very much hopeful that they are preparing uh a new set of scenarios, a new set of set of exciting background. It's just a shame that there has to be a year and a half of kind of nothing um, in order to allow them to do that. But if it, if they're building up a, a lovely store of exciting new storylines for us in, in in the future, that that's that, that will be absolutely fabulous. If I may make a direct appeal to Frontier Development, please, for the love of God, if that's the case and that's what you're doing. Do not signpost everything the way he was just referring to with regard mm -hmm. to, for example, the Golconda event. Because to me, that smacks of uh, the entire Marvel crew showing up at Comic-Con saying, hey guys, we've got uh, the movie coming out next year. Who's excited? All right, at the end of it, Thanos is going to snap his fingers and these three guys over here are going to die. Let's go. And then no one's going to want to go see the movie. I think we'd still want to go and see the movie, but <laughs> but it ruins but, it. it. It does a little bit. Yes, that's right. You don't want to know what's going to happen in the end. And with Elite Dangerous, you don't want to know what's going to happen in the end. Even in the interstellar initiatives, some of them have been quite quite decent stories. The first one was a bit kind of weak, but um, as 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 they got into their stride and as they began to develop a kind of a slightly longer story arc and and to have some of the interstellar initiatives intermeshing with each other at least slightly then then you began to see a kind of a continuing narrative and that that was quite nice so so you had the um the 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 you know various stories with the um the um the alliance festival the... well the alliance festival of culture developing into the the, the 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 famine and all the all the kind of combat related stuff with that there, there were those sorts of those sorts of interrelationships um so they they they're clearly capable of writing some 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 good narrative and i i understand that they've got problems because nowadays they've got to um write the story, so I guess they've got to get the get get the story arcs approved. They've got to write out the stories. They've got to get them translated, um, and then they need to get them get them sort of uh, pushed into the game. So, so, so there is a process, and I can imagine that there's a certain amount of bureaucracy in there that perhaps slows them down a little bit. Um, but, but generally speaking, they're capable of doing it. I just want to see them doing it. And, and and strangely enough, the the the, um, the stories that have been the most exciting ones have been the the ad hoc ones. So the um, the Gnosis disaster 
<laughs> and, and that was brilliant. I was on the Gnosis in an unarmed exploration anaconda. Couldn't, couldn't launch because I was going to get blown up straight away. So I just sat tight on the, on, on, on the Gnosis. And that was, that was just such a brilliant piece of um, found theatre, if you like. It, it wasn't something they planned. It was um, the, the guys from Canon had said, let's jump into this system here. Frontier Development had okayed the flight plan. Um, they hadn't noticed that these stars were right in the middle of the Call 70 sector, that they were out of bounds. They should be out of bounds. They'd been accidentally omitted from the, from the um, permit region. Um, and when they realized that, they thought, okay, we can't let this happen. We can't let, can't let these guys jump in there because there's supposed to be Thargoids in there. Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll make the jump fail and then we'll have this fabulous combat area. And it so nearly worked because um, <laughs> ha ha having all those Thargoids right around the Gnosis, it was, just, it was just sort of completely chaotic. After a while, they had to pull them back a bit um, mm -hmm. Because because there were some some problems with ships that were docked getting blown up, um, and of course there was the problem with the Galnet article being being published about six hours before the events happened, <laughs> which is slightly embarrassing. And, um, and not to mention the problem of the fact that those people that showed up to try to defend the Pornosis and fight off the Thargoids <laughs> ended up getting shot by the station for having their weapons out mm -hmm. within view of the station <laughs> and sent to the detention facility. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, so, so all all of those things were slightly problematic, but as a piece of something exciting happening in the game that everyone's going to talk about for a really long time, that's exactly what we need. So, you know, it, it just it just so happened that that that's what that's what happened, and it was brilliant. See, I I, I regard the Gnosis event as uh, like the best thing they've ever done, and also the worst because it was. It was this really ad hoc event. It was very well. I, th I thought. I, th I thought from a technical point of view, it was very well done because everything was breaking, and the sense that like like people were getting shot at by the station, and uh, people couldn't launch because people were getting just uh, or people inside of the landing pads were getting destroyed and stuff. Mm. I liked all of that simply because it was a mess. Yes, but exactly. Yeah. So it people were talking about it. It, it. it was something that really got people talking. Hey, come and, come and hear my story about what happened to me on the Gnosis. That, that was brilliant. That's what we want. We want narrative. We want, we want things that people want to talk about. The, the um, burning stations, actually, was, was another thing. And that was something that was planned. When those burning stations first appeared, the Thargoid attacked stations, you know, like everyone's jaws just dropped because, because it was such an amazing change. The problem that's happened is that that hasn't developed. It's been kind of like just the same thing happens at the same time on a Thursday every week. You know mm -hmm. that a few more stations are going to get kind of get attacked and kind of it becomes a bit samey, especially as it takes so much effort to re uh, well, to repair them, to bring them back in back to life again. When 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 we can do our, our um, community goal that can can build a station in a week. Why should it be taking us sort of six weeks to repair a station? It doesn't yeah. sort of make sense. But but the piece of theatre of having those burning stations was just was just amazing when it happened. So again, that was a planned event. The return of the Thargoids, I think, was a little bit fumbled. Um, the um, 
the the, the high prediction um, that was great because that was dropped into the game, and then you know one or two commanders got high predicted, and they started saying, "Hey, you know, some, this really weird things happened," and then it spreads by word of mouth. That that worked really well, mm-hmm. uh, but then but then we had the um, the thing that Edward Lewis um, came on stream and everyone jumped into a system following his lead and we came across a um a, a wrecked federal ship and it had a beacon that 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 was sort of sending out the message the thargoids have returned and then he announced hey everyone the thargoids have returned and he sent a, sent a message out on the um on the in-game uh announcement system um so everybody who was in game at the time got a message saying the thargoids have returned that wasn't the big piece of theatre it could have been because it was a bit stage and it was so obviously stage managed. What you really want is to have that beacon out there and somebody stumbles across it and starts talking about it. And then and then there's you kind of get the, the word of mouth and sort of everyone, hey, you know, the Thargods are back. What does this mean? And and that was of course a few weeks before we, we had the, the, the Thargoids actually appearing in, in, in the game. Um so, so, so again, there was a kind of a little bit of a pause before it actually happened. So, well, that's that's actually what makes me, or what made me initially fall in love with this game. I've played Final Fantasy fourteen. I've played World of Warcraft. I've played this game, that game, and the other. And all of these games, what they all have in common is they will tell you there's a new patch coming out, you know, next year, and the patch is going to be this, this, and this, and it includes narrative issues where they say like okay now this new dungeon is opening up and now you know go with thrall and fight this evil blah 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 who's come back and is gonna blah 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 and then okay go here and do this and do that and whatever and you know okay i I log on download the new patch play the new expansion whatever got to the last level okay and now we killed uh uh, the 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 you know Illidan storm you know we we beat the Black Temple okay now this expansion is done yeah and that's the way they have their narrative set up the yeah. narrative of this game is set up such that in theory and 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 my in my wildest dreams and hope and 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 what I want for this game <clears throat> is that it's a Wednesday at two o'clock in the morning. When somebody posts online, some guy in Iceland posts online, hey guys, I just found this thing at this spot and it, it, it turns the whole universe on a dime. A dynamic, real, interactive universe of it's not that, that story is going to happen in six months increments here, here, here mm-hmm. to be continued, but rather just flow naturally as it's uncovered. Yeah, absolutely. And that, 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 that's what we want to see. If 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 they can do that, that that's absolutely brilliant. And it does sometimes happen. And now we have in-game comms, which are rather better. Um, it's easier to to have those discussions in game. You can kind of say, "Hey, everyone in the system, here's something new I've just discovered," uh, or "Everybody in my in my squadron, here's something new I've just discovered." So the the message can spread a lot faster, even without using Reddit or the frontier forums. You can you can kind of kind of start finding out about these things. And of course, there's lots of out-of-game stuff that's happening. And the, the out-of-game sort of uh, websites like, um, like Canon Interstellar and Inara and so on, I actually feel that they, they enrich and they complement. I don't think 
they should be taken as a criticism of the game. Um, that's part of how the game's developed. And Frontier is now d doing a lot of work to make sure that those third-party developers um, get included in, in information about what's going to be happening in the future so that they, they can prepare for, for, for new releases. So, you know, it's now an ecosystem. It's not just the game. It's the game and all of those third-party products that we use. Yeah. Do you... So, one of the things I was wanting to ask you about like the 2020 update, when we interviewed uh, the pilot uh, a few months back, he brought up a very good theory that I've been kind of asking everybody about. <laughs> okay. And so we're getting fleet carriers. It yep. looks like we're getting space legs, and it looks like we're going to get the ability. Well, you say to you say it looks like um, that's that's a at the moment it's unconfirmed at this stage. It is it's definitely unconfirmed. You're right. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it also looks like we're getting uh, base building, which, again, is very unconfirmed. Right. Uh, this is all going back to the, you know, the infamous leak. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm about 80% sure that that, e that leak is accurate. I'm not 100%, of course. But anyway, mm -hmm. he brought up the fact, what if we're getting the base building stuff and the fleet carrier stuff because their plan... Frontier's plan is for them to effectively burn the bubble. Not necessarily destroy all the stations, all the planets, all the stuff, but have a bunch of Thargoid motherships come in and say, like, you know, if, if, I think the bubble stretches about 500 light years. And, what if uh, it went down to 150? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What if it went down to like 150 light years or something? Well, they, they got quite a long way through burning the bubble and then they suddenly stopped. Yeah. So quite a lot of stations are still damaged. I think they're probably, I don't, I don't know, looking on the galaxy map, perhaps perhaps 100 stations, something like that. Something like that, yes. Quite sir. a lot. If they'd kept going for the last six months, there would be you know, a lot more that had been, had been burned. Perhaps that was the idea. Perhaps they started burning the bubble and then realized they weren't ready with the next bit of the game, so they had to stop for a bit. Perhaps, perhaps that's what's going on. and. If it, if it was going to be that, if it was going to be a piece of theatre, um, something dramatic, then, then brilliant. Uh, if, if, the, um, if the Thargoid War was being brought into the bubble and in order to escape, you had to go to Colonia or you had to go, you know, the, the, the places that Drew Wegar created, the Formidian Rift and uh, Hawkins Gap and, and the Conflux, uh, and, and create new settlements there, um, that would be a strong narrative element, which would be exciting and would make people talk. And it's exactly what we need in the game, that that what you don't want is a steady state where, you know, you wake up one day and it's exactly the same as the previous day. And in three years' time, you wake up and it's still the same. You're going to lose interest. You need things to change. You need a dynamic galaxy where, you know, Bad things happen, and sometimes you lose out. Sometimes, you know, kind of your favorite station isn't there anymore. And, and not just damage. They should actually be completely destroyed. They should just disappear. Because stations don't stay forever, and if the Thargoids are doing their job properly, they shouldn't just be sort of creating a little bit of fire on the edges. They should be blasting things to smithereens. So there should be nothing left. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, kind of your favorite system, hey, all the stations are gone now. Your, 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 your ships are floating in space. Go deal with it. That would be brilliant. Um, 
Yeah. No, so, sorry. On, on, on you go. I've, I've lost my train of thought. So you asked me something <laughs> well, else. Yep. Well, you know, kind of on that in that vein, I think it'd be wonderful because then, you know, going along with that, we would uh, um, effectively the fleet carriers would then be the stations of the of of the of the new of the burnt yeah. bubble, however you want to put it, and yeah. you know, kind of kind of stretching out out on that, you could also say, well, these things are. Um, I, I would set up uh, my base to be like a like an exploration center. You might set up a carrier to be up a uh, a mercenary thing, and it might be in the same system. Or I might establish a mining base, and this is all you know, assuming that this, this, these are the things that we get. Mm-hmm. But to go along with that would be a player driven economy that Frontiers always kind of shied away from. And I'm curious what your feelings are on a player-driven economy. What do you mean by player-driven economy? Well, I'm a World of Warcraft player, so oh, okay. um, the that's the that's really the only other MMO I've played. So that would be the uh, that would be the best reference I could give you. You know, you have an auction house, uh, create things, enchant things, uh, farm things. And probably the best example I could give you, what if we could sell modules that were already engineered? Okay, so that would be creating effectively a means of exchanging credits between players. Right. Okay. Um, That's not in the current ethos of how the game works. and, and, And to be honest, I think that credits are slightly pointless now anyway. Um, There are other things like materials, which are probably the replacement currency, aren't they? Um, after after Frontier, let credits become too easy to to, to come by. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I I I have I have concerns about anything that could potentially make sort of selling credits out of game a uh, kind of thing that you could do, because you know having seen what's happened in Eve Online. Um, an in-game currency that actually has a dollar value, that's quite worrying to me. I don't want to be actually having to put up real money in order to play the game. And I'm just like I wouldn't pay a subscription for, for Elite Dangerous. That's not that's not the game I'm looking for. The game the game I'm looking for is the one where I, I fund it by buying the expansions and then I can play the expansions without having to pay a subscription. So I think the other issue or concern is, as you bring up the ISK selling from EVE Online and, mm, and whatnot, mm. um, the other major concern, I think, with that would be that the fact that EVE Online, with its sort of player-driven economy and ISK transference and, and the ability to even legally sell ISK for money with the, through the Plex system, um, <clears throat> all of that is built on an economy that is all centrally held on CCP's server farm. Yeah. As, mm-hmm. as as now, this entire game, the vast majority of it is handled P2P uh, with, with peer-to-peer, you know, with, with making connections and whatnot. There's very little held on the servers. <clears throat> I would be very, very nervous that if you start allowing people to 
transfer credits and do things with a player-driven economy, when you're mm. talking about connections peer-to-peer, people are going to very quickly start spoofing that. And before you know it, that's some guy's going to have a video out on, here's how you generate 20 billion ISK in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's been, that's certainly a risk. On the other hand, um, having spoken to Commander Eagleboy at, uh, at LaveCon last year, um, he, he's one of the guys who works for DevStot, so in, in the server part of Frontier Development. And um, he he said, you know, like you wouldn't believe the amount of stuff that we're monitoring for. We, we, we can see what people are up to. We don't necessarily always take action, but we know when people are stepping across the line, we can see what they're doing. We can see... Um, when 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 they're making out of bounds trades, we can see when they're when they're jumping further than than you can <laughs> jump in 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 any ships that we have at the moment. Um, we're logging all this stuff. Um, so so you know, just because you don't see them taking action doesn't mean that they're not either aware of what's going on or doing something about it. Um, they just don't like talking about it publicly. But yes, you're right. I mean, sort of as soon as you've got real dollars involved, then then it goes up a whole new level, and you've got to be really, really on the ball. Which reminds me of one of my absolute favorite uh, episodes you did of of Galnet, where you uh, addressed the Rockforth mining, <laughs> or the Rockforth <laughs> fertilizer situation at, at so wonderfully, where you talked about the Pirates, uh, uh, the Pirates Federation apologizes for all of the confusion about this and they're going to make sure that you get refunded your negative credits and yada, yada, yada. And then you ended it with, you know, they finally grew a pair. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, sometimes I think the community feels that, um, that frontier is, is, um, perhaps less strict than they could be. And, um, you know, sort of the, 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 the recent policy from, um, their customer support people, which is that if your ship blows up, we'll give you it back again with all the credits you had on it before. Um, I kind of, I kind of feel that's sort of well, slightly silly. They, they they don't do it repeatedly, but if you kind of get in touch with them once or twice and say, you know, kind of something went wrong in the game and it wasn't my fault, can I have my ship back? They'll give you your ship back. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, when Harry Potter, you know, sort of from the SDC. Um, Kind of get gets in touch and sort of says, you know, kind of my ship was blown up. Um, can I have my ship back? And they give him his ship back. So, well, yeah, kind of mm. all he's going to lose is five percent of 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 the rebuy. So, you know, it, it's 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 just slightly slightly daft. And slight... and and that actually happened to some of the explorers on distant worlds too. Well, but, um, and and mm-hmm. one one that uh, one person that used that uh, exploit as a way to jump into that one system that you have to, you know, you have to, uh, what is it, uh, turbo jump into. Yeah. And then you, but you can't, there's no way to get out. So he turbo Mm. jumped in, self-destructed, and then said, excuse me, could you please reinstate my ship? They did. And because they reinstated it, he still had all of his data, and he yeah. got the registered first uh, recorded, uh, you know, mapping and discovery of a bunch of planets that you're not supposed to be able to get to. And that's back. right. That's that's above the bubble. There's a there's a little group of stars that you 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 can get to, but you can't get back from. And there was an expedition uh, to to explore that, and the idea was that 
all the anacondas would blow themselves up at the end and, you know, kind of, we'd know what was up there, but we'd never be able to return with the mapping data. And yes, you're right, one person sort of slightly unscrupulously uh, asked to be moved back into the bubble. And um, yes, he's he's not popular nowadays. Mm. Yeah, I, I I really don't like it when they, they, they give away things like that. Now, that being said, I really like the fact that they refunded my money when I was just flying along, just exploded. Because some uh, right. this happened like year one. I was flying along, and I hit. You remember? You remember the invisible planet bug? Where like, I don't. Uh, yeah, it was uh, sake. Ruxler, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was it was some bug very early in the game. It was it might it, it was year one. I was flying along. I was I went. I, I barely had the money to afford the eagle. And I just bought the eagle, and I flying along, and I smacked and just blew up. And I was like, "What even happened? What even took place?" And so, so on the forum, someone said, "Hey, if your ship just blows up, submit a ticket. It's some sort of bug or something." And then they responded like same day and said, "Hey, here's your stuff back. Sorry about that. Watch out for those invisible planets." Yeah, and and, <laughs> and it may not have actually been the invisible planet, <laughs> bug, but that's what I call it. So well, that's and that's entirely different, and that's entirely that that. You, I commend them for that because that's what right. they should be doing. However, when the guy uses it to get the data back, or you know, Harry Potter gets his ship back after griefing so many people, big or difference. whatever, to yeah. me, the the thing that comes to mind is uh, when since Watherspoon, you just mentioned CCP or or, or Eve, mm-hmm. CCP, the the developers of that game, put out a music video called HTFU, which is Harden the F up. And uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're planning on following us to the top, harden the F up. Because that's the response that you will get if you send in a complaint to them, hey someone stole my Titan. Hey Suez stole my Titan. Hey this guy dissolved my corp. Hey this guy opened up my system at my station and these other, you know, uh, the goon swarm came in and took it. CCP will send you a response back saying HTFU smiley face. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a hard position for frontier to be in. And, uh, you know, on, on the one hand, I want them to make the game a little tougher, a little, I, I want, I guess, I guess the best way to put it, I want the dangerous back in elite dangerous. And yes, absolutely. Consequences for your actions. If, exactly. If, if, for example, all those distant worlds people um, flew to the view in their sort of underpowered anacondas, landed on a 4G planet at twice the speed of sound, blew up, then that should have been the story. You know, hey, you know, kind of I blew up, I was really stupid, it was my own fault, but, you know, raise a, raise a ticket with the Frontier and you get your, get your ship back. And it stops being a story. It stops being something exciting that happened in the game. It starts being a customer uh, support ticket. Yeah, and and I want I want it to be a game. If if I and, and I very nearly did actually, I very nearly did blow up. Um, I I was actually taking some video, and this was when I was on my way back from Beagle Point. Um, so I had about I really did have about five months worth of exploration data, and I was taking off from a fairly high G planet, uh, way out in the middle of nowhere, one that nobody had ever visited before, um, 
And I thought, hey, you know, kind of the sun, the sun just rose be- behind the, the, the edge of the planet. I was flying up and I thought, that's so fabulous. I want to go back down again and video that. So I kind of pointed the ship down and sort of accelerated. <laughs> this is an anaconda Uh-oh. that doesn't have, doesn't have boost. And, and, and then I, I kind of, ooh, ooh, the planet's getting close quite quickly, isn't it? Um, so, so I kind of leveled off and thought, okay, right, um, ooh, I'm still going down. Um, I'm going down quite fast. I'm not going to stop, am I? I'm going to hit the ground. And, and, and I have that, you have that moment where you think, okay, you know, there's two ways I can play this. I can log out of the game now, and when I log back in again, my ship will be sitting stationary above the planetary surface. And, you know, I won't have lost a thing. Or I can suffer the consequences for what I've done and feel that I haven't cheated. The game, yeah? That, that I made a mistake, I've got to take the consequences for it. Mm. And so there was absolutely nothing I could do in terms of, in terms of stopping that downward momentum. Um, my ship sort of, I mean, it's, it's an anaconda with, with sort of like my 4D thrusters, I think, and, and a, a, a 1D um, a power distributor. So completely underpowered. Very, very light shields. I think they were sort of like, three D shields or something like that. So something something very, very weak and and all modified for lightweight. So so virtually no no strength in them at all. Um and so okay, you know, I'm I'm just gonna take it. I've got probably, probably, uh, more than a billion credits of uh of exploration data on. I can't do anything. Level the ship out, it'll slow down, uh, all all pips to shields and and hope for the best. And then I went to external camera and I videoed it and I went crashing into the planet and it was, oh my goodness, it was so scary. Um, and I think I lost, well, I clearly lost all the shields. I lost 60% of my hull, um, wow. but I was still there. <laughs> and, that, and that was great. I, I, I survived. Mm. And, and if I'd logged out, it would have been kind of, oh, you know, I, I, that wasn't real. That was, that was, it was just a game. If you so, logged so, out, you would have robbed yourself of one of the greatest stories you probably have of this game. Well, well, one of one of one of many stories, but yeah, that's right. I mean, sort of, and 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 so I, I then I then had to limp back with forty percent hull. I could have called the hull seals. I chose I chose to sort of just head for um, head for a colonia. I had to modify what I was doing. I needed to be careful not to land on too many planets um, because you know, kind of, if you got if you lost more than half your hull strength, then, you know, do that same thing again. You're definitely dead. Um, and, of course, the one th- lovely thing about the Anaconda is that it has a proper damage model. So you go <laughs> outside and, and there were sparks and sort of clouds <laughs> of smoke coming out and, and bits hanging off the sides. It, was, it looked really the worst for wear. So, um, so I, had, I had a couple of months of flying with this anaconda that was falling apart and visibly falling apart and i really i really enjoyed that that was great so you know had to be careful had to kind of cut short what was going to be a longer trip um but i got back i got back in one piece uh didn't get didn't get attacked by any uh pirates uh managed to land at a surface base and i had to land at a surface base because i couldn't remember how to land in a coriolis (laughs) <laughs> because you, because you need to get the anaconda through that kind of mail slot, and I was thinking, you know, after six months, perhaps I won't remember how to do that. Right? Perhaps I won't remember to request docking, and and I've got a maximum speed of two hundred and thirty, and virtually no ability to turn this thing. So if I if I go in without docking permission, I'm going to be dead. 
So um, so I landed at a planetary base, bought myself a Sidewinder, and then went off and sold the uh, exploration data using the Sidewinder. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. That was that was a story I felt that I'd achieved something in the game. And, uh, you know, kind of, I didn't feel that I'd cheated. I don't think I would ever raise a support ticket with Frontier and ask for my ship to be reinstated unless unless it was clearly a bug unless it was right. clearly something that had, that had gone wrong with their you know their end of the the bargain if you like yeah and, and so so as i've said this before i have actually as of today i have i got my 17th rebuy uh thank you thargoid cyclops but <laughs> uh, you know and the the like once i realized the the fight was not going to go my way I did everything I could to get out, but it never in my mm. mind thought, "Hey, let's just crash a desktop, or let's pull the nick, mm. or let's mm. let's do all the things that are that yeah. you can do to get out of it." I, I was like, "Well, I made the mistake of engaging this, and I'm going to live with the consequences." Exactly. Now that yes. being said, yeah. mm. I have three rebuys that are complete bullcrap. I told you about one, mm. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I I was sitting on a dock one day and. Uh, I, I was on the screen or whatever, and then like, it wasn't a skimmer, but it was like one of the uh, police. wasn't one in the system. It wasn't nothing. He just like flies right into me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was in I was in a trader ship, didn't have any shields. And I'm like, well, yep. But uh, yeah, there, there was the falling skimmer problem for a while as well, wasn't there? Which... Yeah. Yeah. Slightly regressible, where they spawned high up in the atmosphere and then sort of just dropped like bricks. Yeah, and lots of people died to that. Kamikaze yeah. skimmers. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let me shift gears real quick because I want to ask you another another kind of series of questions about because you 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 consider yourself an explorer first, right? Yeah, pretty much. What's on your exploration bucket list? Oh, um, well, in terms of in terms of regions, there's. Um, there are a number of uh, stars that are actually fairly close to Sol that I'd quite like to uh, get to. Um, I haven't done a lot of close to the bubble exploration recently. Um, the last time I did it was probably about 18 months back. And there are quite a lot of stars quite close to Sol that um, if, you, if you head in the right directions, haven't been explored or hadn't been explored. Perhaps that's changed now, perhaps with... Lots of new people coming into the game. That's a bit different now. Um, I, I, I was very lucky to, um, to, to be the first person to explore uh, a named star because I, I didn't do very much exploration to start with um, because when, when the Gamma came, up, came about, I was learning how to take off and land in my Sidewinder. I didn't play any of the Alpha or the Beta. And the people who'd done that were all kind of ready, and they kind of they kind of jumped into their cobras and sort of set off into exploration, um, and they kind of pretty much explored all the systems near the bubble, um, and when when they eventually sort of uh, started putting first discovered by tags on, um, yeah, pretty much everything in the bubble had already been discovered, um, but but I managed to get to the star three seti, um, which. You know, nobody had been to before. It's a very boring system. There's no planets. There's just one star, but it's got my name on it. So that's nice. that's kind of nice. Um, in in terms of future, there are some 
places well above and below the galactic plane that I'd like to visit. There are people like Ghost Giraffe have already been there, but uh, I'd like to see that for myself. I'd like to be able to work my way up that ladder so that I can look down on the galactic plane from outside the galactic plane. That, that, that's got to be quite something to see. Um, I'd also like to do a proper circumnavigation. Um, the Hutton Truckers did uh, a round-the-verse, um, mm. as they called it, um, event where they, they sort of flew around in less than 80 days. Um, but that was that recent, is, wasn't it? That was fairly recent, yeah. Yeah, like three yeah. or four months ago. Yeah. That's yeah. what gave us, that's the one that gave us from the stat that, uh, that Frontier put out at the end of the year where it said, you know, total number of this, total number of that. And one of the stats was the to, uh, longest, the yeah. sidewinder jumps. And that was, uh, I forget his name, but it was the guy, for, and he was in that around the world and around the verse in 80 days. Was, yeah. that, was that Bull of Petunias? I can't remember. Yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. Okay, he's put out an appeal for other uh, uh, for for folks to follow his uh, YouTube channel. By the way, um, because he doesn't feel like he's got enough people um, watching that. So, if anyone wants to follow Bull of Petunia's um, YouTube channel, then he'd be very grateful. Um, yeah, he's a he's Art and Trucker, um, and and we have some really really crazy guys in the Hutton Truckers. Um, we have clearly we have at the moment we have the hot mess going on. I think. Mm. Um, something like 25% of stations have been visited so far to give everyone a mug to fend off the mug ownership what? deficiency syndrome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then we had, we had other events earlier on that, uh, we decided for some reason that it'd be great if we had all top 10 positions in one of the community goals. So we had a Hutton trucker in positions one through 10. Um, and we did that. And so, so like like ten ten Hutton commanders all got one of those top ten positions, and we got eleven and twelve, and a little way further down as well. Um, those those sorts of things are utterly utterly pointless, but um, but great fun. Quite quite a few of my rebuys actually were were um, sort of learning how to do combat in. I think it was an eagle we chose, so it was, so we had stock eagle, and Gluttony Fang very kindly. Uh, came to give us some lessons, and uh, fair enough, I got a load of rebuys uh, on my stock eagle. Um, but uh, I did get one kill on Gluttony Fang, which I thought was was amazing. <laughs> I'll <laughs> never do that again, I don't think, um, in any other circumstance, because he is a pretty good fighter, and of course he's an AXI person. I really, um, but but yeah, I mean, sort of the, the hunt truckers do all sorts of crazy, and they do lots of crazy things in real life as well. Um, the, the truckers up tidy was cycling to the top of a volcano. Um, and then at the, well, at the moment we've got, um, commander dog's breath who is leading an Australian Antarctic survey, uh, resupply mission, um, to Australian bases in Antarctica has taken a hunting bug with him. And <laughs> if, if you have a look at the official, um, Twitter feed, from the Australian Antarctic Survey, pretty much every photograph that's in there has a Hutton mug in it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that, and it was funny. That got retweeted actually fairly recently by, uh, and it was mentioned in in last week's live stream as well with uh, with Paige and Stephen uh, that uh, the the Hutton mug 
made it in real life to Antarctica, which is amazing. Well, it's, it's still on the way. On the way, on the way, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. There's, there's a couple of resupply bases, or a couple of bases they're going to resupply. Um, that's that's absolutely right. Yes, David Braben retweeted that, which is very kind of him. Um, the next thing that we'll be trying to do with a hot and mug, we think, is to try and get one into space. But quite how we're going to achieve that, we don't know yet. <laughs> you should have um, had one in Elon's car. Well, that's that's actually doable. That sort of thing is is manageable because, of course, uh, SpaceX um, need ballast for their test flights. Yep. So getting a Hutton mug into space wouldn't be that difficult, but we wouldn't get it back again, and we wouldn't get any photographs of it in space. Yep. Mm. What we want to do is get it into space and get some photographs of it in space and bring it safely back to Earth. So on the space station to make sure that no one on the International <laughs> Space Station gets mods. Well, absolutely, yes, yes. I, I, I feel that's quite important, and and NASA should be thinking about that. Um, but but yeah, we'll we, we'll be working on that on that problem. Uh, how we can achieve that, and of, and of course, whatever we do, um, it'll be supporting the charities that we, the Hutton Truckers, um, support, which is Hearing Dogs for Deaf People and Special Effects, the Gamers Charity. Yeah, the, as a, a longtime follower of of the Hutton Truckers, I'm definitely familiar with the Bowl of Petunia's name. Which also special shout out to that guy because the reference. I don't know if people get it, but. The reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the whale and the bowl of petunias, mm-hmm. it's, that's top-notch. But uh, for sure, we're going to be hyping that guy's uh, YouTube channel and getting it full up. But uh, we cover every week the hot mess report. So, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely rooting for our Hutton brethren uh, to cure mods everywhere. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you guys put on such amazing events between... I mean, recently, you know, of course, the round of the, the verse in 80 days, there was the mm-hmm. uh, the geyser rally thing that you guys did where you guys were jumping SRVs in the geysers not that long ago. Yep, uh, absolutely. Yep. The Christmas pageant play of that, that Christmas pageant, first off, was uh, like just really top notch fun. Um, <laughs> And, and and sweet and and like at the end I was like oh like it's it's a story you've heard a million times before but with a with a beautiful Hutton twist to it which was great yeah I think I think I think Charles Dickens might have plagiarized what some of some of the stuff we wrote there but clearly um, yeah clearly yeah yeah uh, um, and and the the muggies were hilarious and absolute nonsense in the, the best <laughs> sense of the word oh yes yes absolutely so 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 yeah I mean the Hutton truckers do get up to quite a lot of stuff in real life, in uh, the radio studio and in-game. Um, and there's always a big presence of Hutton Truckers at um, the real-life events as well. So things like LaveCon, um, Fantasticon. Elite Community Meet, which is coming up. Uh, tickets are on sale at the moment. Um, so if you happen to be near Cambridge, England... Um, during Easter, then uh, that's, that's a great thing to attend. Um, and and for those that are going to be in the Texas area, there's another ECM that's happening in Texas, the Texas Meetup, M-E-A-T, up. That's right, and that I think is on the 4th. Um, but it, it's certainly the week before Easter at some point. And the last time we had one of those, I think there was about 15, 15 people turned up. Um, Commander Vante An, uh, who is uh, Dave Pearson, David Pearson, sorry, uh, off the Hutton Truckers, um, will be over in Texas that weekend. So he will be there 
um, Buck Naked, um, Eric Murphy <laughs> will be there. Um, and and yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there'll be some something exciting happening. Um, and it's a it's a great opportunity to to get together and sort of meet up and sort of discuss the future of Elite and uh, you know kind of get to get to know some commanders in person. And if Buck Naked's going to be there, then you know that the entire event has to be sponsored by Lacon Spaceways, where they're going to give you some free meat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the only ships in the galaxy that something. Dot, dot, dot. Yes, yes, Absolutely. yes. Something new every week. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us, I, I, so I, I, as, a, as, a, you know, as an American and, and a person who, unfortunately, every time the, 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 the events are going on live and the show is going on live, I'm stuck at work, but I am a Hutton trucker at heart. Uh, I listen to every episode. I, you know, it, and that's how you know Bola Petunias. You hear his his name shouted out just about every week on on mm. uh, Buck Naked's report from you know the truckers, top truckers. Uh, him along with Monty Python, you, you kind of can't miss. Um, yeah. Tell us some great stories of of the truckers. Well, we've already discussed quite a lot of what they get up to. Um, the, uh, um, do do you know the origin of the mug? I don't know if um, that's something that uh, Ben talked about. I, I actually I wanted to was going to ask about that. I love it. Okay. You. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the the um, I mean, this is this is something that Simon Winnard is is quite keen that people should know. You know, uh, Simon Winnard is a guy who writes Dockers, and now Beyond Dockers, and <laughs> the the. The story of the mug comes from back at the Kickstarter. Um, one of one of the Kickstarter rewards was a mug that Frontier provided, and it was discovered that it wasn't dishwasher safe, and so you know the the the, the text and the logos on the outside were rubbing off, and uh, so Simon wrote a sketch within Dockers about that, during which his character, David Brubin, who <laughs> may or may not be modelled on, on the, um, the, the gentleman of the similar name in, in, in Frontier Developments, um, was getting really, really cross with mugs and was smashing them. And I think it was at LaveCon 2015, um, they did some live foley. What they did was they bought a load of One Direction mugs that were being sold cheaply because they had a picture of one of the One Direction guys who had left the band. And so they couldn't sell these mugs anymore. So they, I think we got them cheap on eBay or something. And uh, every time David Brubin shouted, mug, and then smashed a mug, they actually did smash mugs on the stage. And so there was this this lovely sort of mug smashing sort of sound it was, it was it was good fun um and so having had the mug and having the the idea of shouting mug and and um i suppose it's it's worth mentioning that um david braben doesn't know what it means when somebody shouts mug and there's the sound of a smashing mug <laughs> and that's quite funny because because dav stott has it as his sms ringtone on his phone so he's in Frontier Developments as the server man, and there's this sound of sort of someone shouting mug and a mug getting smashed, and David Braben's completely oblivious to it, which is lovely. Um, but but yeah, okay. So 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 we had this idea of mug, um, and and then 
At the same time, we had, obviously, sort of Hutton Orbital, the most remote station in the galaxy, the one that you've got to fly the furthest distance to. It's hand, a hand-built system, which is a model of uh, Proxima Centauri and Alpha Centauri A and B, which are only four light-years away from, uh, from Earth, so we know pretty much what they look like. Hutton Orbital would have been easy to get to if we'd had in-system jumps, which was the original design. But then the community said, no, we want supercruise. They got supercruise. Suddenly, Hutton Orbital becomes really, really remote and really hard to get to. Lots of people were taking missions to Hutton Orbital. Back in the early days, you'd get 20 minutes to complete a mission, and it takes an hour and a half to get to Hutton Orbital to complete the mission. So people were failing emissions. So, okay, you've got to be a mug to go to Hutton Orbital, don't you? So we've got the idea of the mug there. Then we had the competition to um, create a new rare good in the galaxy. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but uh, it was won by Sothis Crystalline Gold, I think. But they let us have the Hutton mug as well. And so we created this sort of idea that the Hutton mug was created using the frameshift drives of the ships that didn't make it to Hutton Orbital, the ones that, you know, like the Sidewinders that go out there with less than two tons of fuel, and they run out of fuel halfway to Hutton Orbital, and they can't jump out of the system because they don't have enough fuel, and they can't complete the journey to Hutton Orbital. So those frame shift drives, which are nice and hot and irradiated, we would collect all that scrap, take it to Hutton Orbital, and we'd make it into mugs, which would keep your drink warm, because they're glowing nicely with that plutonium and everything that's that's kind of kind of glowing in it. And 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 so we had this little mythos around it. And um lots of people took part in this this um community goal to ship loads of scrap to Hutton Orbital and make the Hutton mug. Um and so the Hutton mug was placed into game. Um and as part of that community goal, um we started doing the Hutton Orbital radio, which was initially just a traffic report at Hutton Orbital to say what was going on, are there any pirates about, who's who's landing, who's um who, who who's bringing in the scrap to 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 complete the community goal. Um but we also know, it was, it was, this was largely Psychokai's doing, um started creating real Hutton mugs. We we kind of commissioned some hot mugs to be created for us, and we don't sell them. We never sell them. They're only ever given away to people who do something amazing in the game, who earn them by doing something either for the Hutton truckers or just do something outstanding or amazing in real life sometimes, um, like, you know, taking a mug to Antarctica. Yeah, and that's, that's a good way of earning one. Um, so there are Hutton mugs. There are Hutton mugs you can buy, but they're not real. They're pretend, okay? So if you go to Redbubble and buy yourself a, a Hutton mug, that's not a real one. Yeah, if you go to eBay and buy yourself a Hutton mug, nah, that's that's fake, okay? I you can, did not you can, know that. Yes, you can tell that they're fake Hutton mugs because they, number one, will not prevent mods, and number two, they just have one T in the Hutton. <laughs> you're so right you're so right and, and of course attention. the real ones are nice nice sort of shiny silver or gold now we do them in two two shades um so they're metallic finish and and uh, like i say you can't you can't get them any other way so what i'm hearing is all i have to do to get my very own hut and mug is get myself assigned to the international space station 
if you could do that, if you can, if you can find a way of getting a hot mug into space, you will earn yourself a hot mug. That that's that's, that's my it. new goal. That's <laughs> what I want. Yeah. So uh, you you've brought up uh, Dockers, and obviously, mm. um, yes, I, I that's I'm, very rude, isn't it? Mm, yes, yes, but we'll we'll forgive you this one time because you've got on that really nice jumper. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, no, I'm in in my head. I'm hearing Michelle Mug, but uh, yeah. So on Dockers, you uh, have reoccurred as everything from a narrator to playing parts. But one one thing in particular that I I quite love on the Dockers Beyond Dockers series is the um, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It brings to mind as an American. It brings to mind uh, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, but I'm sure as a Brit, there's a BBC series of some kind of a nature series where... Oh, right, yes. Yeah, so this is, this is David Attenborough-style thing. Yeah, exactly. David Attenborough-style thing. And that, honestly, and, and I love Dockers. I love the, the story of, you know, May Swallows and, and, and you know, the, the whole crazy gang and everything they get up to, but... Uh, that little drop-in bit that you do is my single favorite part in all of Beyond Dockers. The back and forth with it. it it's a weird mishmash of a, a David Attenborough style, you know, uh, thing where, so in America, we had this thing called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom that, that they right. used to show. And it was hilarious because there was always a guy back in the studio who was narrating. And then there was the guy that they would actually send out to the middle of Africa. Who's like, you know, hanging out with alligators and lions and shit. And it was was not as calm for him as it was for the guy in the studio doing the voiceover work. And you sort of brilliantly, you guys sort of brilliantly spliced that with a little bit of the, um, I don't know if you want to call it the the Weinstein Me Too movement or whatever of these this situation of of sort of rich and powerful guys and the women mm. who secretly hate them but currently live with them or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. That little the, those drop in bits that you do is my absolute favorite part of Dockers. They're it, great fun to do actually. Um, so, so 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 I play Willie, uh, who, who who's a uh, a kind of documentary wildlife um, guy, so 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 he's always safely on the on the spaceship above the planet, and he sends he sends his assistant Fanny down to the down to the surface to 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 these kind of completely crazy ecosystems with all sorts of scary sort of murderous wildlife, and and she sort of has to fend fend them off in a in a possibly slightly rude way um <laughs> while while well, you know kind of kind of there's there's very often significant amounts of of collateral death going on around um while 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 willie is sort of doing doing his his um wildlife documentary voiceovers sotto voce from from the safety of the spaceship up above yes um it, it, it it's it's a very simple setup but it worked so well in the first time we did it that um that uh, Simon Winner had wrote another of those sketches, and hopefully there'll be another one in the next uh, episode. I, I do hope so. And see, the hilarious thing is, ninety-nine percent of of all Americans will not even catch the reference. I 
I was stationed for a little while in at in England in the United Kingdom, and so I get the reference that Willie is a sort of a slang term for a gentleman's genitalia, and Fanny is, is what uh, what the British people. So in America, old school, like olden days, people like even young people won't get any reference at all. But old people in America, Fanny means your backside. So, like, yeah. literally, your grandma will say, you better behave or I'll smack your Fanny, meaning I'll smack your bottom. Mm-hmm. In England, it's different. Fanny is a woman's genitalia. So, yes. the, her front side. And her front so, bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but so, like, all of that, like, every episode of Dockers is just completely laced with with rude, crude, hilarious silly you know it's 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 the kind of things that makes the 12 year old in you giggle for no yes, reason it, it, it's it's exactly what adult humor isn't um it's not suitable for children but it's certainly not adult but it is it is hilarious and um we have uh several writers now in fact um apart from simon winnard one of one, one of the better ones is um actually from canon interstellar um lcu no fool like one um, writes some of those sketches, and uh, the the two writers, or those two writers in particular, um, seem to seem to spark off each other quite a bit. Sort of trying to see who can be ruder, and who can come up with more ridiculous kind of ideas. Which so, again, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just saying it's a, it's a complete delight to do because I record my part, and then. Um, sort of the, the the person who plays Fanny records her part and then they kind of get brought together and there's this magical um I don't know some, some something happens and it 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 just becomes something much more than the the sum of its parts. Um that's Commander Draxer by the way who does who does the the part of Fanny. Um and she's one of the people who who uh, has has achieved those things like the top 10 uh, truckers in uh, the, the the top 10 in a community goal. Um, she she participates in quite a lot of what the Hutton truckers get up to, um, and and she swears so brilliantly. Um, <laughs> she, she 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 is just so good at making it sound real. And what was, hmm? what was that last one? There was a thing where she was like, "No, these are not in my." Fucking contract. I the don't crabs, have to yes. deal with crabs. Yeah. Crabs, yes. Uh-huh. I don't have to deal with crabs. And, and and then he's oh well, he says something the more or less along the lines of dangling a, you know, dangling a million quid note in front of her, and then she's yeah. oh, oh, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, and of course it ends as as it always does. Yes, with lots and lots of lots of dead people and sharks swimming around, and yeah. Yeah. It's, so uh, your mention of no fool like one once again yeah. brings me back full circle because it brings it back to what again I keep saying one of my favorite ever but I, one of my favorite ever uh, little clips that you did which was actually a weird hybrid because it I believe it was it both appeared as an actual separate Sagittarius or not Sagittarius sorry uh, Galnet Digest Galnet News Digest yeah. uh, feed. As well as it premiered, I think, as the intro to one of the most uh, fairly recent episodes of uh, Hutton Orbital Radio, where you know it started with the "Our mics are live" or whatever. It was the coverage of the, uh, I guess it was uh, some weird glitch in game where the Gnosis appeared 
inside of or or like merged kind of uh, uh, elephant or or the fly style with one of the uh, orbital stations, and you yeah. did a brilliant sort of mockumentary interview with No Fool Like One about uh, how exactly the ship had come to be uh, lodged with the station, so to speak. How did that come about? I think I think he he deserves the writing credit on that one. Actually, uh, he 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 wrote it uh, largely uh, with a few suggestions from me, and uh, then we recorded the bits separately and and got them all plugged together. Um, what what had happened um, is, I think I'm not sure, but I I, I think that Canon have have recognised that the Gnosis can't really do anything particularly exciting. So what they do is they try to take it places where it's going to challenge the game engine um, to, to do kind of things that perhaps the game engine wouldn't normally do. Um, so, for example, they, um, they, they moved it into Epsilon Indy one time. Um, I don't know if you know about Mitteron Hollow. Oh, yes. Okay, so Mitteron Hollow is a, a small planet that orbits uh, the Earth-like world of New Africa. Um, I think it's roughly once every 90 seconds. It's actually right outside my home station, which is Schneider Relay in mm. uh, Epsilon Indy. And Canon asked for the ship to be as low as possible towards the planet, towards uh, Mitterrand Hollow. Um, and so they kind of negotiated with Frontier to have, when it jumps in, it's going to be pretty much skimming the surface of Mitterrand Hollow in part of its elliptical orbit. And so Frontier obliged with that, and they actually got it so low, so close to the planetary surface, that if you jumped in an SRV high enough, you could get yourself caught in the gravitational sort of field, or you could, you could move into, the, um, into the, the physics frame of reference of the, um, the Gnosis, and your little SRV would be carried off into space with the Gnosis. <laughs> That's amazing. Which, which, which is absolutely brilliant. And then, in, in, in this uh, case where um, the the Gnosis jumped into a system and it was right in the middle of um, some sort of installation. Um, that, that I assume, just means that the offset that that installation had just happened to be the same offset um, from the origin that the Gnosis came into. It was probably a default uh, origin. So yes, the Gnosis was kind of diagonally down the middle of the station with, with kind of two two arms on either side of it. Um, it's one of, one of these stations, a bit like the, uh, the orange sidewinder bar in Lave. Um, and so, yes, we, 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 we then needed to, well, clearly, you can't, you can't let an opportunity like that go. We needed to create uh, an explanation for how it got there. Um, and, and so we had LCU, no fool like one, um, Jumping into the system because because it, in in the lore, um, Canon Interstellar actually pilot the ship as they fly between systems, and so they 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 kind of jumped into the system, find out they were heading straight for this installation, and LCU is thinking, okay, this is going to be really serious. Hey, you new recruit, come over here and sit in the pilot seat. <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else. Oh my goodness, you've crashed the ship. And and so that became the little the little sketch, and and it works just so brilliantly that I thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna release that as a a supplementary Galnet Digest, so that it doesn't get lost because 
not that many people listen, relatively speaking. And it's Hutton Orbital people listen to Hutton Orbital News um, because that's a podcast primarily. We don't really typically put it out as a YouTube video. Um, if I put it out as Galnet Digest, then it, then you get a whole different set of people watching YouTube videos from listening to podcasts. So one of one of the things I've, I've started doing about a year ago, year ago, year and a half ago, something, um, is I start I started issuing Galnet Digest as a YouTube video as well as as a podcast, and that means that I've got that second audience of people who watch stuff but don't listen to podcasts. There are lots of young people. You will find this surprising, but there are lots of young people who don't even know what a podcast is. Yeah, And I, I kind of realized that I was losing out on half my potential audience. So now, stick it out as YouTube, stick it out as a podcast. More people get to listen to it and, you know, everybody wins. So, I mean, it's something you might like to think about in the future. Um, e even if you even if you just put the thing out with just a, a blank screen or just a just a waveform, you will find a new audience compared with the podcast audience. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that's something that we implemented. Oh, you've done like it? A, yeah, like okay. a week ago. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, this is old old news. Okay. No, no, no. It, no. Here's the thing. I'm very new. With, we are all still learning. So any information, any tips, I'm all. I we are all ears. So. And and know this, I, I have made it my mission in life to make sure that more people know about Sagittarius Eye magazine, Yay. Parallel Worlds, Yay. the Hutton Orbital Radio, and, and Galnet. I, I think Galnet News Digest, because I think a lot of people already know about the Galnet News Digest, but Sagittarius Eye, uh, Parallel Worlds, and the Hutton Truckers are, are what I consider to be sort of hidden gems. It seems to me like their following is, uh, and I'm not trying in any way to belittle what they've done because I'm sure their following is great already, but it should be 10 times greater because they're each respectively just just a complete gem. I mean, just fantastic. Lave Radio, I shout it out, but everybody already knows, so it's no big deal. I feel like if I can get if I can get 10 new people to be Hutton truckers and to check it out. I feel like I've accomplished something because I, I just, I, I love everything that you guys do. Well, that's very kind of you. And I, I must say sort of you're, you're, um, you, 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 you're doing a fantastic job of growing this channel, the, the, the loose screws podcast It's it's grown from nothing in about four months, hasn't it? Uh, um, yes, sir. And it, and it, it, it's, it's suddenly become quite a big thing in the world of elite, oh, which wow. is absolutely fabulous. Cause, cause, there's been quite a long time during which uh, various streamers have been kind of giving up on Elite. There's people like, um, I don't know, DJ Truthsayer, for example, used yep. to put out lots of lore-based content, and he's kind of stopped doing it now. There haven't been many new people coming in. And uh, I know you've, you've been playing the game right since the very beginning. Yes, sir. But, um, but, but doing this new content and, and listening to... Listening to the um, the last show that you did with Exegius, I think it is um, the, the the section after after his bit, where you do a complete roundout of, of everything the community has been up to, all the stuff that's been happening over the past week. That's brilliant. Well, that's 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 everything you want to know in one place. We have lots of other um, 
creators who do good stuff like Commander Burr, of course, um, who, who who does great kind of roundups of what's happening in, in the community. Um, but you know, so Loose Screws is is a is a really excellent listen now. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you much. much. I, all credit for this goes to Ty. I mean, nah. to, to have the balls <laughs> to have the balls to start something completely fresh, episode one, and just say, I have exactly zero listeners because I've just decided to do this, but I'm gonna go and give it a you know, just give it a start. Man, that's that's yeah, I'm I'm new to this, but uh um I'm glad that I've uh hitched my my wagon to a to a star that's just, you know. I think you complement each other really well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, You know, and I I started this, if you go back and listen to episode one, I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, the Exegius one was a real high for us. And as you go further back, they get worse. And (laughs) you're learning, aren't you? That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you weren't improving, you wouldn't be happy. Exactly. Exactly. So to, to, to hear someone who's in the community say something like that to me, I, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I am trying to go here. And if it, I, I'd love to buy you a beer if I go. So, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say no. Thank you. <laughs> um, but man, you know, um, this, this whole thing started off as I wanted to, to do something that was a little creative and mm. cause I think I got a creative heart and I've, I've, I'm not good at the normal drawing or writing the normal art schools or whatever. And, um, someone made a very good point to me is that, you know, the thing you're good at is getting the right people in the room mm. and then letting them do the work. And as weird as that sounds, I've never thought about that, but, they're right, and that it's a skill to find the right people to do the certain things. And you know, when I found Kai, he's really helped me out in that vein. And yeah. uh, uh, I mean, you, you can probably tell I'm not great at this. Kai's a, a much better speaker than I am. He's a more better, more better speaker than I am. A little <laughs> redneck coming out. And mm-hmm. um, he uh, he 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 kind of uh, smooths the rough edges around this show, and um, I mean, he's, he's, he's been very good, very good to me, very good to this community. And it's let me see where this can really go. And I'm starting to see where it can go. And it's, it's quite amazing, to be honest with you. And also, I want to say this community, up until about a year ago, I never was in, a, aside from the little bit I was out fighting Tharoids, I was never in a wing. I never multi-crewed. I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't know anybody who played this game in real life or in game. I, I just. Uh, I mostly stayed to solo or private group, mm-hmm. and I even got in the Mobius group uh, to try to make friends. And there's just. I, I I just had the hardest time finding people to or finding my community, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. I make this, and now I have all these people who, every single day, are wanting to play with me and stuff, and it's it's awesome. It's and then beating a path to your door. Yeah, yeah. I never quite realized how good this community was. I always kind of read about it and you know, I listened to Lay for years and various other shows and stuff. And you know, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and everybody talks how good this community is. And I'm like, 
where is this community? Did I just miss the boat somewhere? But it found me. And um, it's, it's kind of amazing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm a little emotional about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, it is a fabulous community, and, and there's an awful lot of people in it. And I'm sure I know my little bit of the community, and I'm sure there's other people who have their little bit of the community, and I may not ever get to meet them all. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, the two communities may not necessarily completely overlap or even intersect. Um, but, you know, there's, there's lots of people out there who are having a great deal of fun with this game and who are doing player with player, player against player, and, you know, sometimes just sort of just turning up in a Discord and chatting while they do their own thing. Yeah. And that's all, all valid. However you want to play it, if it works for you, it's good. For those, exactly. there's that player with player thing is just a, I mean, that's, that is sort of the heart of the Hutton truckers. And it is. so anyone out there, if you're hearing my voice, if you're hearing this interview and you're thinking, wow, man, that's amazing. You guys had the great storyteller of elite in there. And you guys told me these great stories for a couple hours. And I wish I could take part in something. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> Join us join our discord come to loose screws uh join the squadron uh join the hutton truckers go right now to uh let me see here it is <clears throat> where wait 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 here we go operation hot mess if you go to hot.forthemug.com forward slash hot hyphen mess forward slash you'll see exactly what's going on right now. The Hutton Helper is tracking how many stations. They're literally delivering things to stations all across the galaxy just to say they did it. But if you just go to hot.forthemug.com, you'll see the main home. There you've got news. You can hear the, the, the uh, uh, episodes of uh, current episodes or past episodes. You can see things about current and past events. They've got all kinds of things for like, hey, this is what's coming up. We're going to be doing this. We're going to go be doing that. I've long believed the uh, the adage, if you're bored, then you're boring. So let me tell you something. If you were bored, get on board, contact the Hutton people, contact us, join a group, even if it's neither group or if it's both groups, join a group. Get together with people and enjoy some PWP, some player with player, because that will make this game all the more fulfilling. Certainly does. Well, um, I think that is actually all the things I was going to ask. Kai, did you have anything? I have about 10 billion more things. I would keep Wotherspoon <laughs> oh here for goodness. a year and a half uh, just talking, um, but uh, we have to let him go eventually. I know it's yeah. been uh, – you had uh, – by the way, congratulations to uh, – uh, was it Dead Meat GF? Yeah, Dead, Dead Meat, Meat GF, frithy, yep. uh, 50 years old. Um, that's absolutely right. And uh, we went up to Derby um, to celebrate that. There were quite a few hot uh, and truckers there. Um, there was uh, Commander Asylum, Vangtian, Flossie. There was Chris Whittam, Sean Pond, Steve Lochran, uh, Claire Helen. Um, so so quite, quite a few truckers turned up. Also, Steve had his rugby team there. Uh, which is which is a, a ladies rugby team, 
Um, and and you know, Dockers is rude. Well, <laughs> you know, a ladies' rugby team rugby team is ruder in oh, quite wow. quite a big way. They were singing things that were certainly making me blush. <laughs> oh so that was, that was quite a night. And, and I, I am suffering slightly today as a, as a consequence. <laughs> so if I've been a bit quiet, that might be why. No, no, no. You've been great. And <laughs> I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us this evening. And um, I, I just want to thank you for letting us chew your, chew your ear, so to speak. And uh, and uh, I, a couple things. I, I, I want to extend. So, so we we record every Thursday evening at seven thirty, uh, around seven thirty um, uh, Central Time in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's real early for you in the morning. However, if you are ever up and you just want to chew the fat with us. You are always welcome to join us on the show. You um, anytime that 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 uh, you got something special going on that you want to announce, or you just want to uh, uh, holler at us, and and you know you got anything that's going on with Hutton or uh, Galnet or anything like that. I keep saying Hutton. I don't mean Hutton. I mean. Uh, uh, Help me out, Kai. What's the name? So, Hutton Orbital Radio, Galnet News Digest, uh, Sagittarius Eye, Guard, Guard Freak. Frequency. Yeah, thank uh, you. Parallel <laughs> Worlds. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> if 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 there's ever anything that you just want to you just want to hop on about so that other people know about it, you're always welcome. That's so. very kind of you. Thank you. Anyway, um, that's all I got. So <laughs> yeah, and also it, it just not just to extend the uh, invite you to come at you know 3 30 in the morning friday morning when well, i yeah. have insomnia yeah. <laughs> but but also any time on a saturday sunday you know there's times mostly on the weekend where it'll line up that sometime that's not crazy for you would be not crazy for us please come back at any point because you you my friend are the storyteller of this game as far as i'm concerned and uh i've i've just loved this completely agree completely agree Thank you very much for having me. Do keep up the good work. Thank Thank you, sir. All right. This is where we end the show. For the mug. For the mug. Or the mug. (laughs) 